I'm very excited to announce the launch of the brand new Learn to Mediate Online Academy. I created the Academy to provide all of my popular webinar training programs, which I gave live as on-demand, learn-at-your-own-pace downloadable courses. Um, so right now, you can go to learntomediateonline.com to access the Academy. I have available the Learn to Mediate Online training program, which gives you the ethical and practical considerations of conducting your mediations online. Uh, there is also a link to the Social Media Musts for Professionals program, which is your ultimate guide to the who, what, where, why, and when of posting on social media, and also my do-it-yourself website builder program, which allows you to finally take charge of your own website and make it work for you. So go to learntomediateonline.com and check out the Academy. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. The big concern to me, of course, like any divorcing parent was, I knew it was the right thing for me to do and for my husband, ex, soon to be ex-husband to do, but I was really worried about the kids and the thing that I was worried about was just upsetting their lives. Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we have, I have to tell you, a really interesting topic for you. Um, I was just telling my wonderful guest uh, that I'm excited to do this episode because, you know, as all of you, my listeners know, I've been in the family law field for a very long time, and this is a topic certainly that we talk about but she has had great success with a very particular type of custodial arrangement that I, I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. So let me introduce her. Her name is Beth Barrett, and she is a freelance writer and the mother of three boys. And she has been, now here it is, nesting with her ex for almost six years. And in fact, her children, her sons, have never left the family home. She and her ex have been going back and forth between the family home to parent the children, and the boys have stayed in the house. And that's for six years. So I, I can't wait to hear this story. I, She says it is the way that has helped her family to be happier than ever before. And if, you know, we all want that after divorce. And we were just talking actually a minute ago about um, the fact that many of us think that life after divorce is pre-scripted for us, but in fact, it's actually a blank slate, and she wrote an entirely new script. So Beth, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Susan. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for letting me share my story with your listeners. 
Well, and I truly am excited when you reached out with this topic. Um, and I mentioned this to you just before we got started here. You know, having done family law and, and helped people craft parenting plans for 30 years now, I have to say nesting has been something I have only ever seen something that people try, say, in the early days of separating when mom and dad are still trying to figure things out or mom and mom and dad and dad, depending on the family situation. But where you know, they're still feeling their way. They don't want to disrupt the children any more than necessary. And so they do it for a short period of time. But I'll be honest, I have never seen a case where a family's done it for more than I mean, I'm trying to remember in my experience, probably more than six months to a year at most. So I'm fascinated to hear how this has worked out for you for six years. And in fact, it's worked out so well, you've written a book and that's hopefully going to be coming out very soon. So let's start with just explaining for my listeners what nesting is or bird nesting is the other term okay. that's used. Right, right. Those are the two common terms. I've just defaulted to nesting. Um, and I always joke that sort of hand gestures help that the kids have stayed in the family home and um, sometimes I'm their parenting and my ex is away. Um, lately, it's been that he has a significant other that he goes to her house um, and then we switch off and I move out to my apartment, which is very near to the family home. But the kids always stay in the family home. And it's been that way since we first separated yeah, six years ago, which I can't believe. But um, the kids never come to my apartment. I mean, they're welcome to come, but it's a small place. They uh, don't stay with me. So all their stuff, all their belongings, all their homework is at the home. Their friends always know where to find them. And um, Bill and I have done different schedules throughout these years, but it's pretty consistently about a week on, week off, depending on his work travel or whatever else we have going on. But um, that's how we do it. You know, and, and I have always found the idea, if you think about it, just on its face, this idea that the children's lives are not disrupted any more than absolutely necessary. Really, the difference for them is that only one of their parents at a time is uh, in mm -hmm. residence, I'll call it, right? right. But right. but they, they don't have to pack up their clothes and move to different houses every few days. They don't leave their homework at mom's when they're off at dad's. So there's a, a brilliance to it. Um, but then there's also the, I'm sure the difficulty of it, um, because there's mom and dad going back and forth now. Sure. Um, there is some difficulty and probably I would say it's a little more, um, initially it was harder than it is now. Now we've been doing it so long that, you know, any of the kind of hot emotions post-divorce our way in our past now. Um, there is some hassle for Bill or myself moving in and out. You know, occasionally I've shown up at the house and realized I forgot my laptop at my apartment or, but compared to trying to keep track of three kids stuff <laughs> and there's three schedules, uh, that's nothing. I will happily try and keep track of my own stuff to move back and forth and to try and um, keep track of their stuff. So in a way it's a little bit selfish too. Yes, it keeps their life consistent, but I also think it's much less stressful for me 
And, um, you know, the, the many stories of parents who are driving back and forth to each other's house to pick up stuff that was left behind, or the kid is calling from school that they left something at the other parent's house. And it's, um, it's just really cut down on that kind of stress in our lives. So um, logistically, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I actually never thought of it that way. I've always heard, I mean, I've I've had cases where honestly we had to put right in the agreement, you know, what clothing was going to be packed for the children as they yep. went between houses or mm-hmm. that you know, all of the clothing that came with the kids would be returned to the other parent's household. Um, And so there's actually a little bit of brilliance in this because you're right. It's much easier for me to pack myself as a grown-up. I know what I need. I know, you know, how to do it in a short period of time as opposed to trying, you're right, trying to pack three kids. I have three stepchildren and just the idea of trying to going back to those days of packing them up to go back and forth. Uh, yes, I'd much rather pack myself. So, but how did you, how did you even know about nesting when you and your ex decided to separate? You know, um, I didn't. And I was reading Laura Wasser's book. I'm sure you're familiar with Laura Wasser. She's kind of a famous celebrity divorce attorney has had a lot of celebrity clients and she wrote a book called it doesn't have to be that way. And I just sort of stumbled across this book. Um, you know, of course, when you're thinking about divorce, you're kind of looking for any information you can find. And her book was reviewed in the New York Times, I think is where I saw it. And um, I got it and she mentioned it there in just a couple little paragraphs of different ways that people do um, custody after divorce. And as soon as I read it, it was just this light bulb went off because that had been the big concern to me, of course, like any divorcing parent was I knew it was the right thing for me to do and for my husband, ex, soon to be ex-husband to do, but I was really worried about the kids and the thing that I was worried about was just upsetting their lives. And, um, and just, it hadn't even occurred to me that they could just stay in the house. And fortunately, as soon as I brought it up with Bill, he thought it was a great idea too. And um, as he said, you know, it wasn't their fault that we're getting divorced. Um, we're the grown-ups, and we should try and work out all the complicated stuff and let them just keep being kids. They were pretty young. Our oldest was 12. The younger son was nine, and the youngest was five at the time. And so, um, you know, perhaps if your kids were different ages, maybe it wouldn't feel quite so important to do that, or it might be easier. But it just seemed like they really needed to stay in their family home and have the memories and the consistency and the comfort of that. Because I didn't know what the divorce would bring. You know, I didn't know how we would parent. And so there was a lot of unknowns. And so it was nice to give them this one consistent thing. Yeah. Well, and first I have to say, I'm going to tell Laura that you said that about the book because I know she'll be thrilled to hear it. Um, We just actually did a program together and we were talking about our books and um, she was saying hers was such a long time ago. She didn't know if anyone ever even read it anymore. So I'm going to let her know it's still out there helping people, even if that was six years ago. So, uh, and you know, the idea of it, of nesting, of, of, giving your children that stability um, of not disrupting their lives 
at least initially. I agree with you. I, I would hear that or have heard that from almost every parent that I've ever spoken to as I've mm-hmm. represented them in a divorce. Um, and very much stability for children in parents' minds gets tied to the house, the marital mm-hmm. residence, and not having mm-hmm. to make that change. But then I get knee-jerk reactions or thoughts from parents on when we talk about nesting on the privacy side of things. So here you are going through a divorce with someone. We all know there's an emotional content to that. And the two of you are sort of moving in and out of your house. Um, the the privacy issue becomes something that, you know, that, do you have to pick up every single piece of paper that you have laying around the house and make sure everything's put away? How do you know someone's not going through your stuff when you're not there? Did you guys experience some of those, I'll call them growing pains in the process? Um, I would say that it was something I was um, concerned about and talked with my attorney about. And even in our settlement, he worked out some things about privacy, but um, ultimately it wasn't really an issue. And, you know, fortunately we had a house where I could move into the guest bedroom suite. So I was able to have sort of my private space at the house and I wasn't going, you know, back into the master bedroom and going, you know, we weren't sharing that space. Um, But I imagine a lot of people have scenarios like that where they could carve out some space. Um, It's certainly you know, a respect thing. And I do think that because we were nesting, there were some, of course, emotional challenges. It's hard not to, you know, wonder what's going on in the other person's life and you're not really supposed to know anymore. Um, But I found it not that difficult to keep that, you know, that growth part of my life separate from the parenting part of my life. And I think that Bill did a good job of that too, that when we did cross paths in the house, we solely talked about parenting things. If there was stuff we had to talk about that was divorce related, money or emotional stuff, we did that away from the house, um, away from the kids, you know, which I think is good advice for any divorcing parents. Um, And I do think because we were crossing paths in the house, it sort of forced us to get along better than we might have. There's no just, being annoyed and dropping the kids in the driveway and driving off. You know, I would, always, I would always, you know, walk into the house while he was still there. Um, and so it kind of forces you to get over your, whatever you're mad about, or at least like put it aside for a little bit. And um, and then I think that that helps you kind of become more collaborative with each other instead of just, I'm done with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and maybe a little more cooperative, too, um, where because you are somewhat intertwined in this, still in the home and in co-parenting, maybe you have to sort of give and take a little bit more than if you're just dropping them in the driveway and taking off, um, which is a positive, I I think. Um, But then there's the question, and this is what has always come up for my clients, where do you go when you're out of the house? You know, what's, what's the situation? Because it can be expensive 
to establish separate residences. I mean, ultimately, you might need three residences in order to do this, one for each parent outside the home and mm-hmm. continue to financially maintain the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that an issue in, in your case? And and I, I would oh, imagine for six years, it's been an issue. Yeah, and it's certainly evolved over the six years. Um, I think what, and I can tell you the different things that we've done, but it, even looking back now and what we thought initially has proven to be true, that to do this was still going to be cheaper than setting up two full-size houses for three kids, duplicating all that stuff you need to duplicate for them, um, keeping them in the same area for school, um, that we just thought it didn't make sense financially to set up these two big separate households. So we've gone through several different iterations. Initially, and I'm not saying I would recommend this necessarily, but we did share an apartment. And by share, I mean, we were never in it at the same time. But we set that up because we weren't sure we were going to stick with nesting. And so it seemed like an easy way to just have an extra space to go to. And we moved in and out um, of that and out of the house. Then we did move to each having our own apartments for a while. And um, that then Bill began to travel a lot for work. And so it just didn't make sense for him to keep an apartment. And he was traveling almost half the month anyway. So that's what we've done for quite a while. Um, But then, as I mentioned, when you and I chatted earlier, he has a significant other now. And so because of this COVID time, he's not traveling for work. So he does go to her house when he's not parenting in the house. And that's wonderful. And luckily, she's very supportive of the whole thing. And it's worked out really well. So um, I think there are a number of ways you actually can save money by nesting. And um, I've talked to some people, you know, who maybe stay with a family member. Um, I even know some families where they have just actually stayed in the same house, but either, either like built on a, a guest room suite or something like that. And, um, and so have a, you know, a break from the parenting time. But um, there's a lot of um, creative things you can do. And I guess that's my whole point about parenting after divorce is that I hope people don't just fall into the assumed roles that there's all sorts of different ways you can do it and different ways you can find what really works best for your family and set a good example for your children. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, FAIR. There are other apps out there, but FAIR is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court, and there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B E 
F-A-Y-R.com and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Beth Barrett, who shares the surprising upsides of a bird-nesting custody arrangement. I hate that phrase, a broken home, kids from a broken home. And I really feel like that just doesn't apply to our family. We're still a family, and in a way, we've just sort of expanded now with more people in it. But, um, you know, there's no doubt who's father and who's the mother and then what our shared history is together if you are enjoying this episode check out style your profile and hit refresh after divorce with new york city super stylist Alyssa denine it really is so much about marketing yourself and i think a lot of people you know my age and older you know just who aren't from that background don't think of it in that way they just you know grab a photo that they had they cut out their ex-spouse <laughs> from i the hate photo. those pictures where you can see or they just yeah. put the big black dot over their face and all those cliches are actually they're cliches for a reason they are actually true and now we return to today's show That is a key to all of this. And I know that over the years, for me as a divorce attorney, people will come into my office thinking that there is a preordained path, that everything is going to follow, that the, there's going to be two separate households, the kids are going to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Everything sort of will fall into place because that's how it's done. Mm-hmm. And one of my you know, passions and one of the reasons I do the podcast is to let people know, absolutely not. You are the authors of your future. Um, you may have a co-author um, mm-hmm. and you may not want to write with that person, right. but <laughs> if you're co-parenting, you're co-authors. Um, right. and, and I think it's positively brilliant what you just said about it actually saving money to nest. I I truly never thought of that and never had it brought to my attention. Um, and so I really want listeners to sort of hone in on that. Um, I can see the awkwardness of perhaps sharing a separate apartment, um, mm-hmm. but it is very expensive to establish two what I'll call equal households mm-hmm. for children. So if you can go get, say, a one-bedroom apartment as your secondary residence that you're only going to be in when you're not the, the in-residence parent, um, that very well could be less expensive. And it can be outside the school district, which right. is often very expensive for parents if they're trying to stay in a, you know, in their school district. So wonderful point. I think that's great. So, but what about your kids? How did they, how did they handle this whole thing? what they think of this mom and dad coming and going? You know, um, <laughs> I think that they really didn't think about it that much. I mean, I don't mean to sound perfect. Um, you know, like naive or blasé to their feelings. Believe me, I was, you know, monitoring them very closely early on. And, um, and I did um, have a family therapist that we would go to and talk to. And she even remarked to me, probably this was a good year or so later, as the two older ones in particular were sort of moving into teenagehood. And they still liked to go and talk to her, fortunately. And um, she and I were talking one-on-one and she said, 
you know, your boys, they have the same kind of stresses and worries of other teenagers, she said, but they have never once brought up the divorce as something that is stressful in their lives. And she said, and I think it's because you're doing this nesting. It's just, it's just not really a factor in their day-to-day existence. What parent wouldn't want that? Uh, it, yeah, that pretty- right, that's the mic drop moment right here. <laughs> that's amazing. Think about that, you know, children speaking to a therapist and the divorce was not one of their topics. That's amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was very rewarding to hear. And and of course, and I asked them too, and I think that, um, you know, it's important to remember that kids are, um, they're pretty, you know, self-absorbed and, and they should be, you know, they shouldn't be forced to deal with my problems and my um, you know, they'll, they'll have enough <laughs> the rest of their lives to deal with. I don't want to be the one who's bringing a lot of stress to their lives. Yeah, well, and, and you know, dealing with the, the issues of going back and be forth between households. I mean, I can say as a step-parent who had one of the households that my stepkids were going back and forth between, you know, that that was stressful for them. There were times where I know that just, you know, knowing, say on Sunday, when it was later in the day, they would be going back to my husband's co-parents home. There, there would just be a stress to the day because you knew it's almost like that. What do they call them? The Sunday scaries? Not that they were afraid to go to their moms. I just mean, right, it's but- almost like that end of this time. And now you go and it's a whole different life in a different mm-hmm. way. So mm-hmm. the be- ability to sort of keep things truly static for your children, truly the same mm-hmm. uh, for them sounds, you know, sounds so intriguing. And I'm really hoping people will, consider it much more often after hearing this. Um, But something else occurs to me as we're talking about, you mentioned your ex has a new significant other. How, when you're nesting, and maybe this goes back to that privacy thing, how, how do the two of you date and move forward with your lives when you're still tied to your you know, sort of former marital residence and mm-hmm. that the co-parenting together there. Mm-hmm. Did it cause any awkwardness? You know, I didn't find that it did, but it was very important to me um, that I brought it up initially with whoever I was dating. Um, I thought it was, you know, a pretty important factor. But for me, it was a good gauge of that other person, that man, was he, you know, <laughs> Was he open to uh, different ideas? Was he supportive of me putting my children first? Because at this point in my life, that really is what needs to happen. They still need to come first. And um, fortunately, um, I'm also dating someone who's been very, very supportive of it and understanding. And I think if you're just clear early on that you're doing it because of your children and that it's obvious that we're not doing it because we're trying to get back with each other. You know, there's just, I think that each of our significant others don't feel any threat, you know, like a romantic threat. And so, um, I mean, both of them have commented that they wish they could have worked that out in there because they're both divorced parents as well. And so, um, so I think it's, um, it could be challenging for people, especially if they're not perhaps very, secure in the relationship. But I think if you have a good, solid relationship and open communication, that it really works out for the best. 
I, you know, that is a significant factor as well. I, I recently um, had Ben Heldfond and Nikki DiBartolo mm-hmm. on. They wrote Our Happy Divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, actually tonight, I'll be doing, um, they have their son Asher is going to be on our Facebook live stream tonight. Oh. And um, I love hearing from the kids. But I also, just what something you said there, Ben has said when he started dating Nadia, his wife, um, current wife, that her openness to the fact that he had such a strong co-parenting relationship mm-hmm. with Nikki mm-hmm. was what made their relationship work. Um, that they were doing something that may have seemed or unorthodox in the world mm-hmm. of divorce is this horrible thing and you hate your ex-spouse forever. And so, you know, they were doing this, we're a happy combined co-parenting family unit and we're a strong unit. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's actually a significant factor that you know, that you pointed out there that if you have a good new partner or a partner with a, and it's a viable relationship, they're going to accept your co-parenting relationship Mm -hmm. with your ex. And I do think, and I'm sure you could do this in other um, co-parenting situations, but I do think because we had this nesting and this family home situation, that Bill and I were each pretty um, cautious about bringing a new person into that, that we really hold that, I don't want to overemphasize it, but it's sort of a sacred space for the kids. And so we each spoke to each other before introducing our new you know, boyfriend and girlfriend to the kids. It was kind of a, you know, discussion about what are we going to say to the kids? You know, how is this going to happen? And we had some sort of unwritten rules about how, you know, dating would happen in terms of the house. Um, and I think we both felt that we had, you know, plenty of time when we weren't parenting. That was a fine time to pursue dating, but it didn't need to be something that was being pursued while we were parenting. Well, that and that's true. You don't have to bring the new person into the nest right away, right? right. They, that can be something that you're I, I, that you you know wait for the right time. Um, and we've actually I've, I've done that show. When's the right time to bring in uh, the new significant other? Because it's a it's a big factor for your kids. And I would I would think it would be an even bigger factor when you're melding that into a nesting situation. Um, but something that you mentioned there also, I think is a significant factor is the communication you have with your ex. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly the two of you have open lines of communication. Mm-hmm. Has it been, you mentioned earlier that you think the nesting contributed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so that's one benefit perhaps is, is a, an enhanced communication, um, with your ex. What other benefits have you seen come from the nesting? Well, um, just to touch on the communication, I think that I, want to make clear that it wasn't like we had just a dreamy little divorce of like, okay, have a great life. That's okay. I mean, it was, it was hard and it was contentious and it would be okay for a while and then flare up again. And so I hope that people will consider, even though it may seem at the time, like you're not going to be able to get past those feelings you will, you know, if you, I mean, of course, unless there's extreme cases of abuse or something like that, but this, sure just being mad at each other, that will pass. And so um, 
try to keep that in mind, you know, when you're feeling challenged by that. Um, but in terms of just overall benefits, I think that, um, the thing that I really like about it, and I guess this is kind of my mission to change this is I hate that phrase, a broken home, you know, kids from a broken home. And I really feel like that just doesn't apply to our family. We're still a family. And in a way we've just sort of expanded now with more people in it. But, um, you know, there's no doubt who's the father and who's the mother. And then what our shared history is together. You know, obviously we were married for quite a while to have children that age. And um, we have extended family on both sides that the kids are close with. And I love that they still are sort of surrounded by that family history and the family memories and um, stories that we could all share together from when they were little and stories that even, you know, are happening now together. So um, I feel very fortunate. And, and I have to, you know, again, going back to my 30 years of doing this, you are fortunate, I think, because I don't hear these, you know, one of the reasons I love Ben and Nikki's story so much is because it's not the norm. It's Mm -hmm. not what I've seen over and over and over again um, Mm -hmm. in, in my career and neither is your story. And the fact that you're sharing it and the success of that, that is, you know, something to be commended and, and thank you, you need, you should be thanked for sharing this story because um, anything, it may not be that this particular nesting arrangement or this particular parenting plan works for someone, but just going back to the very first premise of you can work something out that works best for your family. I always call it you know, a restructuring of family. That's Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And you just said that you said, we're still a family. Mm -hmm. We're just a little expanded and and (laughs) a little different style. Um, But I love that. And, and I really appreciate that you, you came on to share this. You know, we've, we don't get a lot of time in a half hour to really take a deep dive. We talked about this, Um, but you do have, how can people get in touch with you and find out more and find out when the book will be coming out? I have a website called familynesting.org and they can go there. There's some videos. My children talk on that website too. Um, There's some of the articles I've written and they can subscribe to my mailing list there or they can email me directly. I'm happy to answer questions, um, give encouragement. Uh, I love hearing from other people and how they're figuring things out too. So, um, So I'm so glad I got to share this story with you. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it too. You reached out and the minute I read this topic, I saw this topic, I I knew it was a show I wanted to do. So I very much appreciate your sharing your experience. I hope that it is inspiring to those who are listening because my, I think my favorite thing that, that you shared is that it was really, it, it had its really hard moments because people do need to know that as well. Um, it's not all sunshine and flowers when you restructure, um, I've been divorced myself, you know, I can now talk to my ex very, you know, we're very easily, but there are those times, uh, when you have to just bite your lip and, you know, cover it while you're, uh, while you're faking it till you make it, but you guys made it (laughs) and and that's inspiring. So thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank 
thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.